The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something special. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I really love video games. uh, And there's something about, like, I think I find I sometimes I confuse, I was gonna say confuse like memories from video games with my own memories, which is a bit of a strong way to put it. But I do think they're like embedded in my mind in a different way than other forms of media. Like that would never happen with a TV show or a movie. But there's something about the way you experience a video game that feels like you did it, like it happened to you because, you know, you have that sense of control. Um, and I think that that's something really compelling and really interesting and something a little bit scary. Like I definitely am able to get really addicted to video games too in a way that doesn't happen with other forms of media. Welcome back to The Writer Files. This is your grateful host, Kelton Reed, wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance per usual. Award-winning short story writer and novelist Kim Fu spoke to me about speculative versus science fiction, how to critique the future, and her collection, Lesser-Known Monsters of the 21st Century. Kim's the author of two novels and a collection of poetry. Her novel, For Today, I Am a Boy, won the Edmund White Award for debut fiction and was a finalist for the Penn Hemingway Award and a New York Times Book Review Editor's Choice. Her debut story collection, Lesser-Known Monsters of the 21st Century, has been described as 12 unforgettable tales where the strange is made familiar and the familiar strange. It was named a most anticipated book of the year at Lit Hub, Electric Lit, Kirkus, The Rumpus, and CBC Books, as well as a BuzzFeed and Wired pick for book you need to read this winter. Kim's writing has appeared in Granta, The Atlantic, New York Times, Hazlitt, and the TLS. In this file, Kim and I discussed the challenges of the transition from realism to speculative short stories, a criticism of the metaverse and her love of video games, how she channeled the fear and dread of our current dystopia, why she writes in 12-hour sprints, the power of pop-up Zoom accountability groups, and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates, get links to merch, and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. All right, we are rolling once again on The Writer Files, and I am honored today to be joined by 
a very special guest. I have the award-winning author, Kim Foos, joining us today. Hey, Kim, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. Thanks for having me. So what's going on in your neck of the woods? Are you in the Pacific Northwest? Yeah, I'm here in Seattle. It is uh, unseasonably cold here, actually. Yeah. We're having a little little bit of actual winter, which is not usually what happens here. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of uh, socked in usually this time of year, but um, I have a brother that lives up there, and, and I guess uh, you guys were snowed in recently. We were. Uh, Seattle gets completely paralyzed by snow, like just just an inch and everything shuts down, like no garbage pickup, no buses. It's all, it's it's total chaos. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Um, well, we hope you're doing well and, and staying safe through this uh, perilous winter that we're all kind of facing. But um, yeah, let's talk about all things writing and dig into your process. And I can't wait to talk about your latest story collection. Um, but take us back a little bit and just give us the kind of the short version of uh, how you became a uh, nationally recognized short story writer, because this is a pretty, this is a lot of praise for this uh, recent collection. It doesn't seem like people are kind of coming out of the woodwork to, uh, to man, just some great, great blurbs. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been really exciting. Um, so I, I always wanted to be a writer, like from the time I was a small child, like I have a notebook from when I was six that's labeled notebook two. So obviously there was a notebook one somewhere. <laughs> um, I like, yeah, I love to write, you know, sh- stories and poems and I, you know, I was entering contests and things like that. Uh, but then around the time I finished high school, uh, I got into my head that, you know, this is not, this is not a real job, you know, it's time to grow up and get serious. Uh, so I actually went into engineering first And, uh, and that year, that, you know, first year in an engineering program is the only year of my life that I can remember where I wasn't writing. Hmm. Uh, and I was extremely unhappy and, you know, I, I, I enjoyed studying math and science, uh, but I realized very quickly, this is not something I wanted to do as a career. Uh, and, and I also realized like it was so demanding that there was not going to be time for writing. Like it wasn't going to be, I I, I wasn't going to be able to do it half and half in the way I had imagined. Mm. Uh, so I, you know, wrote a long emotional email to my parents and then I <laughs> dropped out and, uh, and mm-hmm. I, I switched programs and then I eventually did an MFA, uh, at the university of British Columbia in Canada where I'm from. And, uh, yeah. And then everything kind of worked out from there so far. Uh, I, mm. I've written, uh, two novels and a collection of poetry, uh, before this story collection, which comes out in a few days as we're recording this. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's pretty amazing uh, the response and congratulations on. Thank you. Yeah, just all of the the praise heaped on lesser known monsters of the twenty first century. So this is a speculative fiction collection of twelve stories, and one of which you know was, I guess it was lauded and, and published um, in a pretty pretty uh, well known collection. But yeah, talk about how the. Talk about how it came, how it all came together, and then also maybe address a little bit of um, the moniker of like what is speculative fiction. When we say speculative fiction, you know, how, how did we make this tran- transformation from like sci-fi to speculative fiction, and why why do you think this is being labeled as such? That's a good question about the transition from calling things sci-fi to calling them speculative fiction. Um, I see the term speculative used more. Uh, when it's applied to writers who, for whatever reason, are 
categorize as literary first. But I think, mm. you know, my the whole the whole time I've been reading and writing, I feel like the those distinctions have been quite porous, you know, even from the time I was a kid, you know, and I'm I'm about to turn 35. And I, you know, like I think that there have there have always been literary writers who are telling sci-fi stories. And then there have always been sci-fi writers who end up being canonized as literary. Um, and I don't know that I, f- I think those are distinctions are super useful. Um, I was really excited with this. You know, my, my previous two novels were straightforwardly realist. Um, and I was really excited to see this collection being sort of received on both sides, you know, to see it being reviewed in like the major science fiction magazines, uh, mm-hmm. to see it being sort of taken seriously by the genre community as well. Um, I do sort of like the word speculative in and of itself, though, to talk as a way of thinking about the future that we're speculating, you know, about the ways things could be or about other universes parallel to ours. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's like a, it's a, it's an interesting word. Um, but sure. I don't know about like making these kinds of distinctions in general. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Because, you know, your work's been described as <laughs> at both, you know, in both terms as like Kafka-esque and mesmeric quite a bit. And, you know, I think the art of the short story is something that some incredibly talented authors of your have, you know, done both novels and short stories, but especially I think like the, as you mentioned, kind of like the old school canonized, like sci-fi writers who bent towards like the literary genre. Um, but yeah, talk about, talk about why you went um, with a short, you know, how it came together, why you went with a short story collection as opposed to like another speculative fiction novel, say. So I've always loved short stories, um, but I used to be much more of a multi-genre writer. You know, I would be writing fiction and essays and poems sort of all at the same time. Uh, Like while I was working on my novels, I would also be writing short stories and, you know, taking on even reported nonfiction, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, And then around the end of 2017, uh, I started to just write short stories. Like for three years after that, I guess, I only wrote short stories. Like that was the only thing that interested me. Um, And I I keep a spreadsheet of all the books I've read in the last 10 years so far. And and out of curiosity, I went and I looked to see like, what was the last book I read in 2017? Like, what was I reading when this this obsession kicked off? Mm -hmm. Uh, And the and the last book I read that year was uh, Stories of Your Life and Others by Ted Chiang. Uh, so I mm-hmm. think, yeah, so like I've, I've always loved stories, but I think something about that book must have really, really kicked my brain to overdrive to like hyper-focus on the genre now. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, so some of the themes uh, kind of lean into this idea about, you know, technology and how our neurobiology will be you know, will kind of meld with with technological mods. And this is something that you know, a lot of great sci-fi authors and speculative fiction authors have, have um, obviously delved into. Uh, I think specifically of like William Gibson or Neil Stevenson, even Ernest Cline with, um, you know, Ready Player One. But, you know, we're, we're facing the we're on the verge of like all diving into the metaverse, right? And here's this book that's kind of like dabbling with the idea that, you know, is there some piece, is there some tongue in cheek uh, criticism here uh, that you're feeling or is it, is the undercurrent kind of like 
bleeding into your work because it's just ever present or, or is it none of the above? <laughs> I think while I'm writing, I'm not able to consciously articulate what I'm trying to do and if I'm trying to make a commentary of that nature. Uh, but I think looking back on it now, definitely like the, I, I have some criticisms. I think a lot of what it boils down to is thinking of the way we handle certain platforms right now, like the way we handle social media right now, the way those platforms deal with bad actors or, you know, Mm -hmm. hateful content, you know, like thinking about applying all of that to something that interacts directly with our brains or really, really immersive and addictive realities uh, is, it's upsetting to think about, right? Like there's so many social problems revolt like around these kinds of technologies we have not solved. And then these technologies can continue to accelerate and become you know, more invasive and more deeply part of our lives uh, without ever figuring those problems out. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think that's that's really troubling. Uh, and I think that there is an air of dread uh, in in the book that is connected to that. Um, I mean, that said, I, I really love video games. Uh, and there's something about, like, I think I find I sometimes I confuse, I was gonna say confuse like memories from video games with my own memories, which is a bit of a Mm. strong way to put it. But I do think they're like embedded in my mind in a different way than other forms of media. Like that would never happen with a TV show or a movie. But there's something Mm -hmm. about the way you experience a video game that feels like you did it, like it happened to you because, you know, you have that sense of control. Um, And I think that that's something really compelling and really interesting and something a little bit scary. Like I definitely am able to get really addicted to video games too in a way that doesn't happen with other forms of media. Hmm. Hmm. Um, are you a fan of sci-fi film? Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe not like a deep cut kind of buff, uh, but, (laughs) but, but absolutely. Um, I think, you know, like the, the, the first reboot of Battlestar Galactica, I really loved, Hmm. um, is something I think of, uh, so I guess more TV shows, you know, I'm, I'm a a Star Trek fan, especially the, uh, the next generation. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, definitely, and I, I but I, I again, I think that's also just sort of part of mainstream culture now. Like, I think most people are familiar and have exposure, and a lot of things have been really popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. So when when does when does speculative fiction just become realism? I mean, if we say read this collection, you know, like twenty years from now, I wonder what what will be said. You know, like what 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 critics will have to say about it. In retrospect, that I think is something very challenging about writing speculative fiction right now, um, especially with the how long the publishing process is, mm-hmm. uh, and then how quickly technology moves. Um, I have seen a lot of writers, for example, who wrote, you know, pandemic novels uh, that are coming out now or came out last year, and having to like explain, like, no, I've been, you know, I've been writing this book since 2013 or whatever, right? And yeah, uh, it's just. It, I didn't mean for it to be prescient in this way, but like this is what has happened. Interesting, right? Because yeah, you're you're a couple years behind um, in the in the thought process that goes into the work, and then of course you see it kind of playing out in real time. And it's hard to not think <laughs> some interesting thoughts about it. Yeah, and these are, you know, it's it's hard not to feel like these are sort of dystopian and apocalyptic feeling times, and that very bizarre and troubling technology is you know being created and normalized very quickly as well yeah yeah what like when you say that what are you what are you referring to specifically i mean because i can think of a dozen but i think 
thinking of the metaverse, I'm also thinking about things that don't exist, but Elon Musk keeps dreaming of mm-hmm. uh, and and bringing up as though as though he's on the cusp of developing them. But it's very hard to tell if that's real or if that's just something he said while he was high. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I do feel like I think it's more like that um, that feeling in the air is what gets in writers' heads. You know, that this this sort of fear and dread in the zeitgeist gets in your head and then you, you know, you speculate new ideas and you dream from there. You have like these kind of emotional nightmares, I guess, that manifest mm. the way they do. Uh, and then, you know, at the same time, the, the world is a little bit of a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're we're in the midst of a, a pandemic within a pandemic within a shitstorm of a planet planetary you know global weirding <laughs> yes a global weirding yeah that's a good way to put it but yeah it, it couldn't be a weirder time so i guess this is quite apropos for for this type of reading and it is something to help hey i just want to take a quick break for my podcast recommendation for this week have you run out of interesting things to say to friends when you actually get to see them then take a listen to the Book Dreams podcast. Each week, co-hosts Julie Sternberg and Eve Yohalem use books to explore fascinating questions like what happened when a Harvard professor staked her reputation on an alleged gospel of Jesus's wife that turned out to be fake? How did debut author Tom Lynn save the American Western by blowing it to bits? Are pigeons rats with wings or wonder birds? And what's the who, when, where, how, and especially why of books bound in human skin? Recent and upcoming Book Dreams highlights include conversations with Disha Filia, award-winning author of The Secret Lives of Church Ladies, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Catherine Schultz, and neuroscientist and dreams researcher Siddhartha Ribeiro. You can subscribe and listen to Book Dreams wherever you get your podcasts. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview, and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and right on. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Talk about um, putting it together, kind of how, as a short story writer, um, you transition from project to, uh, from piece to piece, and 
you know, like, what does that process look like for you? Are you dabbling on one, leaving it, dabbling on another? Are you kind of doing like a pr- productive procrastination thing? Does one have to be done before you move to the next? What's the iteration and kind of the life cycle look like for you in your writing process? So the first two stories I was working on that ended up in this collection, um, I did write simultaneously. Uh, but after that point, it was pretty much one at a time. Uh, and I did find sort of entering and exiting those worlds like very taxing in a certain way. Uh, like I felt like I needed I needed a break sort of between the stories to really like to properly leave the universe and then probably mm. enter a new one. Um, and I... Yeah, I mean, I, I, how did it come together? <laughs> what What's your most productive period look like when you're kind of working on a, yeah, when you're working on putting all of this together? I mean, it's got to be challenging to kind of feel like, okay, here's where all these pieces fit. It's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle, right? I am not a writer who has like a, a good discipline schedule. I'm not a writer who, you know, writes it at the same time every day and turns out the same number of words every day. I find my process is really sporadic. Like I find I have days where I will write, you know, for 12 hours and then I have months where I don't write at all. Mm. Uh, And that has always been how I worked. And there was a period of time where that stressed me out a lot. Like I really wanted to be that other kind of writer that had like a much, you know, a much more rigid schedule and also who had sort of more clearly defined ideas and plans when they set out to write each day. Um, I feel like I am often going off of just an image or a phrase or a line, and I have no idea if anything I write that day is going to move the needle forward. It's like it's going to be worth keeping. Um, for me, it is a is a very messy and very playful and experimental process, um, and. I, I can't work any other way, and I have tried. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I, I have tried to. Like I've talked to so many writers who they're they're great writers, right? Like their their work is 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 gorgeous, but and but they have like these very well designed organizational systems. You know, they work through note cards and post it notes, and they you know they they arc out the story on their whiteboard or their wall, and then they you know they they write what they set out to write. Um, mm-hmm. And I just I can't work that way. In fact, whenever I have tried, it has sort of even killed the magic for me a little bit. Like I, I especially feel like if I have clear thematic goals. Like if I say I want to be talking about this social issue or something, uh, the whole thing falls apart for me. Like I can't, I can't write at all hmm. that way. Like I need to, I, I need to write in order to find what I'm trying to say. And I need to write my way into a story and write my way through a story. Um, I can't plan it. Um, and I've had, you know, whole sort of high concept novel ideas fall apart on me that way, where I've sort of overthought it before I have put words down on the page. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, every writer has a different process and no, no process is the same, I guess, is a takeaway from that. But yeah, I guess what, like whatever works for you, right? Um, from a creative standpoint, do you, you know, how do you write your way into the story? And are you, are you having to like, you know, do you have any little rituals? You broke pot of coffee? Do you do, you know, are you a late at night writer who listens to loud music? You know, what kind of, what kind of things get you, get you there? I write really well around other people, especially when I'm first getting into a story, like where mm-hmm. I just, I just have a first image and I don't, I don't know what it's going to be yet. Um, which is, which is very sad because that's something I've had to give up in the last couple of years, obviously. Yeah. 
Um, I feel like around the end of 2019, actually, I had a really great routine going where I had a couple different writing groups where we would we would meet up and we would chat for like 15 minutes, but then we would all settle into write. You know, we would we would sit down and we would work in silence for for an hour or two. Um, and and that was really great for me because I think something I really struggle with is the idea that the writing is important in a way. You know, I feel like mm. when I'm alone in my house, it's easy to think it's more important to, you know, to do other kinds of work I have, you know, around teaching or whatever. And then, or, you know, to pay your taxes or whatever, you know, like everything <laughs> else can feel more important than than the work. And so so meeting up with other writers and seeing them take it really seriously and also take my work really seriously. Like this is, this is real. This is important. This is like what mm -hmm. we are here to do today. Um, helped me a lot. Like it helped me a lot get over that, get over that initial hump. Uh, and then I think once I'm really deeply in a story, uh, then I can sort of do it anywhere. And, and, and then the, the story is like haunting me and following me around and I'm, you know, writing scraps on the back of receipts at bus stops and things like that. Um, mm. But I, I think being around other people helps me a lot in that initial phase. And, you know, and in and in these last couple of years, I've had to try to improvise some version of that. You know, I'm in a, a Zoom group where we hop on the Zoom call for 15 minutes and then we all go off and write. And then we write an email at the end to say, like, this is what I got done. Um, mm. And then, you know, during different phases where things felt better or had more hope than I, you know, I saw these, I saw my old groups a few times, but then, you know, we would go back into lockdown when things felt worse and it, it's still something I'm trying to figure out. But for me, definitely the, the presence of other people is very helpful. That's cool. So, uh, were you ever a coffee shop writer? Yes, absolutely. Um, okay. that, that helps me a lot. I, again, it's just to, to have some sort of separation from the rest of my life to be like, this is writing time and this is. I'm cho I'm choosing to make this important. I'm choosing to prioritize this. I have gone somewhere else. Uh, and then also, I think being around other people and like looking at other people and like half listening to other people, sort of for inspiration and and taking in the world. Uh, mm -hmm. I think is an important yeah. part of writing. Yeah, the observer piece. Um, yeah, I think that accountability thing is is great. I think it's really important. Um, there is something I think, you know, about the accountability um, that, and there's a, I think there's actually a neuro, a neurobiological thing about, and I may be getting this wrong, but sitting in a coffee shop, it's like we all hold each other accountable because we're, we, you want to look busy. <laughs> like you want to, because, because, you know, you're kind of glancing at other people working and, and it's like, you, you want to also look like you're working and being productive you know like it's something about people's eyes on you it's like well it's not only the smell and the sounds of the coffee um but yeah anyway um very cool um yeah i was gonna say oh to your earlier point about taxes i don't think writers should have to pay taxes <laughs> well <laughs> i don't know that art is that kind of essential service <laughs> come on go with me on this one um we should start a movement. Okay, so <coughs> so much for that idea. Uh, <laughs>
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, um, yeah, congrats on the work. This is really cool. I mean, some of these blurbs are fantastic. It's getting all these starred reviews and it was called, you know, it's been called the most anticipated book of the year at Lit Hub, Electric Lit, Kirkus, The Rumpus, uh, BuzzFeed and Wired Pick for a book you need to read this winter, a dazzling and daring debut story collection, uh, by Penn Hemingway finalist, Kim Fu. Congrats. Um, yeah, I was just going to, of course, I'll link to the book um, before we kind of wrap up with your advice to fellow scribes. I got a couple other fun ones for you. Um, let's see, I was just going to say, lesser known monsters of the 21st century and 12 unforgettable tales. The strange is made familiar and the familiar strange. It's been described as Kafka-esque uh, with themes of death and technological consequence, guilt and sexuality and unmask the contradictions that exist within all of us um and i have a ton of contradictions personally so i i appreciate that (laughs) description um but uh yeah uh i will link to the book i will link to your home base there at kim kim kim-foo.com i'll link to your uh home base is there anywhere else you connect with listeners uh like out on the socials or anything no actually i've uh I've left social media. Uh, I love to hear from readers uh, by email. Like my email is public and just on my website. Uh, but, yeah. but yeah, I've I've left all social media. Uh, it's been it's been a few years now um, because at some point I realized like I couldn't stay on them and keep writing. Mm-hmm. Um, it just interesting. It made me so profoundly anxious. And I think there's lo- there's lots of great things about social media. I think for a lot of people, and I think there. are real connections uh, and opportunities there uh, that you wouldn't have any other way. Uh, but I just think I'm personally not capable of having a healthy relationship with them is what yeah. I've had to realize. Wise, a wise choice. Um, do you have a few favorite um, or do you have a few authors like sitting on your nightstand right now that you're enjoying or want to mention? Um, I'm in the middle of, uh, I want to get this right. It's how, how high we go in the dark uh, by hmm. Sequoia Nagamatsu. Uh, and it's I'm, I'm halfway in the middle of it, and it's really, really gorgeous and really, really strange. Uh, it's a little bit emotionally challenging because it is about a pandemic, <laughs> um, mm. but it's it's a the disease causes a shape shifting sort of that your Ooh. your your organs become different organs. Like it, it's very it's very and and there's a lot of it is like about death and is extremely surreal and about sort of different visions of death and ways of handling it. You know, there's a it's 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 a very dark but very beautiful book, and I'm halfway through. And I, you know, I was reading it at, at three this morning because I'm I I couldn't put it down. Um, so I'm very excited about that one. Very cool. Do you have a favorite literary character of all time? Favorite literary character of all time. I I think all of all of Edith Wharton's protagonists, um, <laughs> basically all of her rich women making terrible decisions. 
Uh, I I can't get enough of those. I think those those are like a summer read I return to a lot of years. Um, mm. There's something so captivating and exciting about watching them just make the wrong choice at every turn and <laughs> ignore <laughs> like every every everyone who tries to to help them like you know get out of the hole they're digging and they just keep digging. Um, there's something I I love about all of the, all of those protagonists. Hmm. Very cool. Um... All right. So before we wrap up with your advice to your fellow scribes, uh, if you could choose one author from any era for an all expense paid dinner to your favorite spot in the world, uh, who would you take and where would you take them? You know, just going off my last answer. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what I would say is a lot of, a lot of the living writers who I love a lot, I would be a little afraid to meet them. Kind of, I feel mm-hmm. like I, you know, I know, I, I love knowing them through their work. You know, I, I feel like in a way that's, that's a very important relationship to me. And I would worry about meeting them and, you know, having them know sort of what a, what a, you know, what a dork I am in real life, I feel like would be very stressful and sort of, you know, in a way like <laughs> sully that like beautiful relationship I have with their books. Um, mm-hmm. But the two that come to mind are again Edith Wharton because I think she would be incredibly fun to go out with. <laughs> uh, sure. I feel like she would be for sure a really gossipy and she. <laughs> she I think she had you know you'd have a fun night out on the town with Eden, she Edith Wharton. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then the other one that comes to mind uh, is uh, David Rakoff, uh, just because I he is such a f- he's he writes such fun and incredible sentences that are so dense with meaning and. Yeah, hilarious, but also really insightful, and they can be dark and comic at the same time. And then mm. also, I just felt like he was taken from us too soon. You know, like he he wrote four essay collections, and he died quite young. And I felt like there was so much more he had to say, and so much more I wanted to hear. And I, I like I wish he had another you know ten books for me to read. Uh, so if I could have you know one more chance to have a conversation with another writer, I think it would be him. That's cool. Well, let's say you can take them both uh, with you. Where are you going to go hang out and have dinner? Uh, there is a sushi restaurant here in Seattle that I think uh, mm. called a Sushi Kashiba that is very much like a special occasion kind of place. And I think mm-hmm. having taking the two of them out on night in the town is the most special occasion. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I mentioned the book one more time before we wrap. Um, Lesser known monsters of the 21st century. I thought this man, this review by the Star Tribune. There's this one, one uh, sentence. It's an endlessly entertaining bestiary. Am I saying that correctly? Bestiary. Bestiary. I think. Did yeah. You say bestiary. Okay. I but you know I'm wrong about those kinds of things all the time. <laughs> I always have to look up pronunciations and stuff. It's an endlessly entertaining bestiary from one of the country's most exciting practitioners of fiction. That's pretty high praise. Very cool. Congrats on that one. Um, yeah. So, just your ex- advice to your fellow scribes on on how to keep their how to keep their heads up during times of of uh, you know challenging times or good times, and just how to keep going. I've already talked about. I think you know the importance of having a community, um, yeah. but I think another thing is to read and not just in that read like a writer way where you're you know you're trying to break down what things people are doing and why you like things you like and that kind of thing but also read to remember 
the connection you have with books and like what they what they give you, you know, like how much they have given to your life, how they have expanded the range of your experiences, how meaningful and important they are to you. And to know that that's why you're writing is to try to form that connection with readers, you know, like to remember why this matters, you know, why we're doing this at all. Because a lot of it, I think, you know, you have very little control over the industry half of it, you know, like what what's going to happen to the work when you're done. A lot of that is luck and good timing and it getting in the hands of the right people. And, yeah. and you know, a lot of stuff that you just like have no control over. But I think the idea that you're trying to write something beautiful that could move someone the way books have moved you. Like I think remembering how much other people's writing has meant to you and your life can help you keep going through, you know, through the grind of your own. Well put, Kim, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Um, best of luck with everything. I, I'll, I will point at your home base where I know you're doing a raft of events coming up um, in February. So uh, listeners can go there depending on when they find this and, and um, where, where you're at there. But uh, are you excited to get out on the on the road or is it mostly going to be virtual stuff? At the moment, it's all going to be virtual stuff. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I, you know, I still love... I, I still I love especially love all the events where I'm in conversation with a, another writer. I always love that. And and thank you for having me because you know obviously I love to talk craft. Yeah. Well, this has been a pleasure. Um, thanks for reminding us about the importance of community and the power of the connection and, and the empathy that uh, comes from great literature. And um, yeah, uh, come back and wrap with us again in the future. I would love to. Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm.